Are you looking for ways to help your families target speech and language skills at home? Or are you a parent looking for resources? Either way, we get to hear from Mrs. Speechy P or Andy Putt today. She has a passion for working with children with autism and runs a popular blog for parents of children with special needs. You're listening to the Speechy Side Up podcast. This podcast will cover the flip side of traditional speech and language therapy so you get inspired and learn from experts in the field. Here is your host, author, AAC specialist, and matcha tea lover, Vanita Litvak. She and her guests are serving up some informative and fun topics in Speechy Side Up. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Speechy Side Up podcast. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. This podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment. You can also follow along on Instagram at Speechy Side Up. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get into the show. Today, I'm joined by Mrs. Speechy P, otherwise known as Andy Putt. Andy is a speech language pathologist who loves working with children with autism. She runs a popular blog for parents of children with special needs and serves over 45,000 families in her Facebook group. Hey, Andy. Hey. Thank you so much for coming on today. Let's start by painting a picture for the listeners who have not joined your Facebook group yet and are not that familiar with you. Tell them about who you are, what you do today, and how you got there. Sure. So um, my name is Andy, and I am obviously a SLP. I am a mom, and um, I have been practicing speech for 11 years now. Um, I love, 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 and specialize in autism. So all things autism. Um, I do autism evaluations. I love pragmatic language intervention. And um, I also feel just really strongly about talking about early intervention. And so usually when you see me, those are the two things I'm talking about. Um, And I honestly had a middle of the night idea two and a half years ago to start a blog. And, um, I am not an impulsive person, but I sure did the next day I started it up and, um, (laughs) I don't know how it got to this, but here I am. That's amazing. It's those gut feelings that something higher is telling you, this is what you're called to do. You need to do it. That's great that you Mm -hmm. followed that. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's been such a blessing. Um, I've had so much fun and I love that I've been able to change people's lives just by posting the things that I post. Yeah, that's amazing. So let's talk about this series that you are doing to help parents target speech and language at home. I think especially given the situation now. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I mean, everything changed and it changed so fast. And, um, you know, I started having some anxiety, um, reading about the countries that were a little bit ahead of us and to cope with my anxiety, I decided to start doing something to help other people cope with theirs. And so I have teamed up with, I don't even know how many, the the amazing outreach and participation from other SLPs and OTs, um, to do this with me. I definitely wouldn't be able to do it without them. Um, But we have started sharing activities um, for every single weekday that parents can do with everyday items. Um, And so on like a Monday, we did Monster Monday and it was like uh, instead of Simon Says, we did Monster Says and 
activities with Play-Doh. Um, we did one about envelopes. Today was cups. Um, so just things that parents can do with things that they have. So you're not having to go buy new toys or, um, or you know, have to do a lot of planning. It's kind of like, here it is. Here are your ideas. Here's how you can support play. Here's how you can support language um, to kind of take some of their stress away. That's awesome. So where is that housed? Is it housed on your Facebook page or Instagram? Where can people find that? It's both on my Instagram and on my Facebook pages. I would say it's a little bit easier to find on the Instagram just because, you know, you have the the visual feed, Um, but they're definitely both there. Okay, great. And what is the medium? Is it like photos? Are you doing IGTV? Yeah, it's just, um, right now it's basically infographics. So there's several slides for several different ideas, um, to use either the item or to participate in activity with a certain theme. And, um, we tried to come up with ideas for younger kids or less verbal kids, as well as older kids and more verbal kids. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for doing that. I know parents are probably very thankful. Are you getting a lot of good feedback? Oh yeah. So, so much feedback. Um, (laughs) it's definitely going to keep me busy probably for a long time. Um, but I think it's just, I think it's great. And even if your kids don't have any speech or language or fine motor delays, the activities are still fun for everybody. Um, so I think it's great that it can really help a lot of people and not just people who are in need of that speech and language therapy ideas. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great point. Awesome. So you've written blog posts about this and you've talked about this a lot. What are your tips for parents to help their children talk? Sure. And so probably my favorite tip in the whole world is um, waiting. Um, And so I, it's really hard to do because it kind of makes you uncomfortable. You know, like you feel that awkward social pause (laughs) and then people feel the need to fill it with talking. Um, But what I have found and a lot of other SLPs have found is if you don't fill the pause, a lot of the times the kids will. And so that is definitely my very favorite tip. Um, Another one that I talk about a lot is um, parents, when they start getting anxious about their kids not talking, they'll kind of revert to just saying, what is this? What is this? What is this? So that they're hearing their child say words. Um, But I don't want you to do that. I want you to do more like lead-in statements like, I see ya, and then point to it and let them kind of fill it in. Or just point and don't say anything, but then look at them and wait. Um, And so that kind of encourages kids to talk more independently and not be so dependent on their parents asking those questions. Um, And it just, it can make a huge difference for a lot of kids. Yeah, that's a really good tip. And I know you recently posted about that on Instagram and I saw some of the comments. The parents were like pretty surprised. Like, why can't I ask those questions? But I think the way that you just explained it was perfect. And, you know, whether an SLP is listening to this or a parent is listening to this, the parent's going to get value from that, but then the SLP is going to get value from being able to explain that to the parent as well. You know, that, that does make them prompt dependent if they're waiting for that question to label things. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, definitely. Great. And The um, next thing I wanted to talk to you about is the importance of setting routines at home, especially right now. 
you know, this is going to air a couple weeks from now, but just with, we don't know what the outcome is going to be of this situation, but routines are important all the time, especially right now and especially for regulation. So can you talk about that? Definitely. And so I want to start this with, I uh, feel incredibly blessed because I, as of now, I still have a job and um, I will have income. Um, you know, I'm going to have to figure out how to, to work from home with kids at home. Um, that'll be really interesting to see. And I know that not everybody is in that position. And so if you are not able to provide your child with a routine, I would say, you know what? everybody's doing what they can right now. I mean, it's uh, definitely survival mode. Um, and so if you can't enforce a, a very strict routine, that's okay. Um, if having a really strict routine stresses you out, that's okay as well. Um, so like for us this week, we don't have any kind of a routine because everybody is just kind of off and we don't really know what's going to happen. But as soon next week when we start online teaching and we're all home, um, we're going to really figure out what kind of routine we might need, you know, so that could go from teaching versus spending time with our kids, um, doing some activities like go noodle on TV, going out for a walk. Um, but what we are planning on doing is having a schedule so that our kids know what to expect throughout the day. And um, like you said, we, we, kids respond really well to structure and especially right now because their lives are totally changing. I mean, we have turned our kids, our lives upside down um, and something that can help give them some normalcy is having a routine um, and it can be structured. It can be less structured. Um, I'm more of a structured person. So mine will probably be like a 30 minute or hourly routine. But if you just need something that's in the morning and then in the middle of the day and then in the evening, that can work for you as well. Yeah. I love that you are telling parents to kind of start with where they are and what they're comfortable with. I also, my routine has been completely flipped upside down this week, but the morning routine is kind of there. And I feel like it does help me feel a little bit grounded after that the workout is done and the journaling is done. Um, but the rest of the day is kind of like up in the air right now. And it, it definitely is anxiety producing. So I think especially like these two weeks were so uncertain, but as we start to get used to the new normal for a little bit, especially if you're working in the school system, riding it out until summer, we're going to have to establish a routine that makes sense for the setting that we're in now. Right. For sure. And I think, I mean, I think that'll help with just adults and definitely, definitely for sure with kids. Um, and like I said, just, it'll bring them some comfort because they'll know what to expect when right now we don't know what to, you know, like we are in the very early days of this, um, my world changed five days ago, you know, so it's, everything is so new. Um, but I think having that routine, having specific times where you're supposed to go outside, I think that's going to be great for reducing that screen time and getting everybody out. And it really will have a positive silver lining of you're having family time, you're getting outside. Um, it will bring some joy to you in this time when everything is uncertain. Yeah, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing those tips. Mm -hmm. Do you wish someone could just write your evaluation reports for you? Doesn't it feel like all speech and language referrals happen at the same time? 
Just when you think you're finally caught up, bam, another referral comes in. Although I don't have someone who can write your report for you, I do know someone who developed a resource to make report writing easier. Jason Gonzalez, a pediatric OT of more than 18 years, worked in many school districts and found that report writing was a pain point for almost all therapists. That's why he created Double Time Docs to help you write reports quicker. All you have to do is answer multiple choice, fill in and short answer questions, and voila, your fully written speech and language evaluation report is generated automatically. No more copying and pasting, which means reduced errors like pronouns or incorrect names. You get to tailor the final report to your client and cut your report writing time in half. Evaluation reports can take more than three hours on average to write. You can keep wishing you had someone to write your reports, or you can try double time and actually finish your reports quickly. No more writing reports after work or on vacation, and no more hiding when someone brings you a new referral. Find out why thousands of individual SLPs and teams are using the software and experience their highly rated customer service firsthand for yourself. Visit bit.ly slash double time docs to try double time docs for free for 30 days. If you love the trial, don't forget to use the code speechy2 towards one free doc credit when you sign up for the subscription. So what are your top five favorite toys if you had to pick them? (laughs) So this probably changes on on a weekly basis. But I will go with what the ones that have pretty, pretty much stayed constant for the last few years. Um, my very favorite toy would be a toy kitchen. And I love this one because if you don't have the funds to buy a toy kitchen, you can make an area in your kitchen that is the toy kitchen. <laughs> um, and so there's just so many things that kids can do when you're practicing cooking. And it's great for developing some creative play as well as cooperative play. Like they can ask you what you want to eat and they could be the cook and you can be the, um, you know, the, uh, I can't even think of the word. Oh my goodness. You could be the customer. Oh, the cook, the customer. Yes. yes. <laughs> Same. Oh my gosh. Um, so that one is probably my favorite because kids will keep going back to that because eating is an everyday routine again. Um, and it's great to practice some of those languages that are the language routines that you would do in regular life, but put it into play. Yeah, I love that. So definitely a play kitchen. What else? Definitely a play kitchen. My second um, favorite thing is any kind of little people set or Imaginex sets like the play farms. Um, My son has all like the bat caves and all the things like that. And the reason I love these is because, um, especially the animal ones, animal noises are those first words that a lot of kids are saying. They're usually a lot easier to say than words, um, than real words that have a lot of different consonant sounds. So like moo, you know, it's just one of those really early sound things. Um, so I love that. Um, I love that they practice eating um, and drinking and things that is really early to develop play-wise, but then you can really expand on that. So, oh my gosh, the horse escaped. What are we going to do? And then the child's having to do some early problem-solving skills. Um, There's just such a huge range. And I love any kind of character play because then you can start getting into understanding other people's perspectives, into turn-taking. 
um, Batman can rescue Robin, you know, from Joker, whatever it is that your kid is into. Um, there's just so much and just different types of play that you can incorporate into that. Oh, I love that. Uh, I'm trying to think of my next one. I would have to go with blocks um, or Legos. And again, because they don't have batteries. They're not going to do the same thing every time. The kid's going to be the one who's going to be creating the play. And if your child's not able to create the play, you can lead it. And then again, look at them and wait. See if they imitate you. See if they can add on to your play um, and really just build that imagination. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are definitely essential. Um, and then my next favorite one and this one kind of goes in and out because it can really be any kind of cooperative or creative play that I really like and this would be a good time right now um, just because there's a lot of talk about sickness and um, the COVID-19 is any kind of doctor play set um, and so you could I like to do vet sets because a lot of kids are more into animals than people but um, any kind of sets like that where you can pretend to be the doctor. You can model all of the language that kids might want to be using in their play. Um, you know, so are you okay? Do you feel sick? Are you hurt? Um, and that's a really big one because I like, I really want kids to be able to tell me when they're hurt. So that's a huge thing to be able to communicate. Um, and it really gives kids power because they're saying, hey, I'm hurt more than just crying and then having the parent try and figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point. Mm-hmm. And then my fifth one would definitely be baby dolls. And a lot of people think that baby dolls are only for girls, and they are not. Um, we want our boys to be good dads when they grow up, and taking care of a baby doll is great practice. Um, you know, it can build empathy. There's so much language in it. So you can give the baby doll a bath. You can feed the baby doll. You can put her to bed. Oh, no, she's stinky. She needs a diaper change and um, anything like that. And it's such a good practice, especially if you're going to have younger siblings, but also to just understand that um, you can take care of other people and you can do things that help other people. I love that. No, it's a really great tool for building empathy. And I think you know, sometimes it's a cultural concern. So if you do have a family who is just absolutely opposed to it, even having like a dog, like animal, you know, mm -hmm. a dog stuffed animal, you can do a lot of those similar things. For sure. And my son, I wish I could remember what it was called, but he has this, it's a boy, it's a boy doll. Um, and it's got a bunch of fine motor things on it. So like it's, he can button, you can zip them up, you can do all those little things with him. And so we used to do that a lot to get him dressed as we would undo all of his things and then work on those fine motor skills while we were getting him dressed. I've seen that one. Yes. I love that. Awesome. Was there anything else that you wanted parents or SLPs to know that we didn't touch on? Um, you know, I said that I specialize in autism and so I probably couldn't pass up any talking opportunity without adding something into that. Um, and my biggest thing with autism is that it, a lot of the times it can present differently than what people might think. 
And so we often will cling to those stereotypes, like people on the spectrum don't make eye contact when really the majority of people on the spectrum are making eye contact at some times. It's just probably not as consistent as you would like to see. And so like before I was doing evaluations, I just remember saying all these kids that I said were making good eye contact. And now that I know what I know, I'm like, oh, that wasn't always, always appropriate, you know, or it was, wasn't always there when I thought it was, um, you know, or the kids that really want to have friends and want to have social contact. They're just not quite sure how to do it or how to participate in reciprocal conversations. Um, I could talk about that all day long, but mm-hmm. um, I just want to say definitely um, to sometimes when you're looking at autism, just kind of forget some of the main things that you think or the stereotypical things that you think and try and look at it in another perspective. Um, and I talk about that all, all the time on Instagram. If you look at my story highlights, that's all over, all over there. So what are some things that you would have people look at instead? Um, so for the kids that are most often missed, that would be the girls for sure. Um, and girls are tricky because they're really great imitators. And so when you watch them on the playground, they're with a group of girls, they are participating in the play. Um, but a lot of times you might have to look a little bit closer. So you might see that their play is, it might look really, really good and creative one day. And then the next day you go back and they're kind of doing the same exact thing or something incredibly similar. Um, and that's really tricky because if you don't see them the second day or, um, you know, more often you might miss that. Um, and then the other thing that you might notice is that they're more like, following the other girls or um, they have a mother hen who's just kind of including her and everything. Um, And she thinks that they're perfectly good friends, but then the mother hen or the other girls might not think that might not consider her um, as much as a friend as perhaps it might look like. Mm -hmm. Um, And then just for the more verbal kids, I find that a lot of times people will think that they're participating in conversations, but it's so dependent on the adult questioning or perhaps only in conversations that they're most interested in. So they might be really great in having a conversation about Minecraft. But then when I say something like, oh, cool, I went to the beach last week and then I wait, they might not know what to say. Or they might say um, like one comment, but not really ask those questions about my converse, about my experiences. Um, those are the two ones that I, I feel like I use a lot for those kids or kids that are social, that are talking, that really look like they're having conversations. But then when you really analyze those conversations, it's more heavily dependent on another person. Yeah, I love that. What type of evaluations, like what does a comprehensive evaluation look like for you? So I work for the school district, and um, so where I am in Texas, you have to have a speech pathologist and a licensed school psychologist doing an evaluation. And my district, I just switched districts this year, and so where I was before, that was um, the main part of my job, and so I was doing five or six evaluations a week. And now where I'm at, they have switched it um, to campus-based. And so a lot of the people are trying to figure out how to do this. And and now with the teletherapy, I have no idea what that's going to look like. (laughs) But um, 
before everything changed, um, it would be um, at least those two people for me. Um, I prefer giving um, the ADOS, which is kind of like the gold standard for autism assessment, but there are several other options. Um, and so that would be, you would need to do like that direct assessment. And I love the ADOS because it's play-based and um, you just can see so much um, in that. But also there's lots of classroom observations. There's parent information. There's tons of forms that the teachers and parents are going to fill out. Um, as well as doing like a teacher interview to really see how they're doing in class. Um, but there should definitely be a lot of information from several different people to be considered, um, whether you're doing a school-based evaluation or like a private practice type of evaluation. Okay, great. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing those. Sure. All right, so let's finish up with a little getting to know you questionnaire. Do you have any good stories or therapy fails that you want to share with us? <laughs> um, so I was getting a kid. It was like the second or third day of school, but it was with a student who was familiar with me and um, really struggled coming back to school and getting back into that school routine. Um, but he had some pretty significant articulation difficulties. And so I went to go get him um, from class to take him to my room. And he was yelling in the hallway, no beach. And I was like, he, you know, there was little kindergartners who were <laughs> first at school, you know, and I'm like, he just doesn't want to go back to the beach. He had a really bad time there and it's okay. You know, but he started to get more um, agitated <laughs> the closer we got to my room. And so by the end of our walk, he was yelling, no B, um, the actual, actual B word. And <laughs> I was like, he's still saying beach. It's okay. He just doesn't like the beach, you know, and it was just, <laughs> oh, it was so funny. And I was trying not to laugh, but I was like, he was saying speech, but uh, yeah, it came out just not clear. And, <laughs> and I was fine with beach. It sounds like speech, but I didn't want the kids to be afraid of speech either. You know, so I was like, yeah, he's saying beach. It's okay. And then, yeah. And then by the time we got to the B word, I was like, no, he's definitely saying beach and not speech or the B word. <laughs> We're not saying either of those. That's amazing. That's <laughs> such a great story. Oh my goodness. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, so what are three things that you can't work without? Um, whew, that's a good one. So uh, let's see. I have, this is so funny because it's so old. I have this WH question blast off game from Super Duper that is probably, I don't know, probably not as old as me, but probably pretty close. And I love the cards that comes with that game. <laughs> And I use those all the time. Um, they're such great questions, and I can change them up a little bit to where we can use them over and over and over. Um, and so those are probably my favorite therapy tool, um, which is so funny because it really, like, you know, usually I'm like, oh, this is older than me. Why do I even have this? And that one, I'm like, I will, like, I don't know. I would totally lose my mind if I lost those cards. Um, <laughs> I love that game too. I have it. Do you? It is yes. the best. Yes. yes. It's really good. <laughs> yes. Um, we don't even play the game. I just use the cards. Um, <laughs> 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 I, 
I need these for everything. Um, and then my second thing would definitely be crayons. Um, I love crayons. We do that a lot. I used to never use them. And now I am all about the crayons um, and just coloring. And it gives kids something to do while they're waiting for their turn. Um, and then my third one would be YouTube. I definitely, as soon as we get to something and my kids are like, I don't know what that is. I'm like, let's pull it up on YouTube. Let's see what we can figure out. Um, because once they see it and they see it in action and I can talk about it at the same time, I find that they learn so much quicker with all of the visuals and the information that I can provide more than if I'm just giving them the auditory information. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. I love that. So <laughs> what do you enjoy doing outside of work? Um, my favorite thing I, you know, I used to read, I am, the, I was before kids, I was the biggest reader. And so I used to read a new book every three or four days. Wow. Um, now that I don't have, and now that I do have kids, I have, really don't read as much as I should. And then when I do get a book, I like ignore everybody to read the book. Um, <laughs> and so that's really not that good. I need to find like a happy medium. Um, but I would definitely pick travel. I love to travel. Yeah. Where's like your favorite place that you've been to or a recent place? Um, oh, let's see. My favorite place would have to be probably the Philippines. I went on a dive trip there um, many years ago. Um, and I, it was just so cool to see everything there and the reefs there were really untouched. Um, and so it was probably one of the coolest experiences and vacations that I've taken. Yeah. I remember you and I were talking about that. We both have our like diver's license, but mine is so old. Mine is too. Yep. <laughs> Mine is too. That was the last time I went. I used to go all the time when I was younger and now I, um, and now I just miss it. I know it's, it's so much, it's a little scary. I don't know. Personally, I thought it was scary, but I didn't go that often. We just went in Honduras. Um, and mm -hmm. then the, like, I've just snorkeled lately, like in Belize or, um, where else do we go? Thailand, but the Philippines oh. sound amazing. I'd love to go there. Yeah. Yeah. I went, I've been, um, diving. Um, for those of you that don't dive, there's an extra regulator that you can have and it's called an octopus. And so when I wasn't even old enough, I would go with my mom and I would breathe on her octopus so we could both kind of go together. And, you know, she would only take me like 30 feet under, but it was the coolest thing ever. And I remember when I was finally old enough to dive and we went to Cozumel and, um, my very first dive in the ocean happened to be a night dive. Oh my and gosh. I was terrified. And, you know, and so I was with my mom and my dad and, um, and we had flashlights and I had been on night dives like in the lake for before, but never in the ocean, you know, so I was really nervous and we like had to time how we got in the water based on the waves, which was just terrifying too. And so I was like, mom, you're right here, dad, you're right here. And you are going to stay right here and you're not turning your flashlights off because I know you're going to want to do that. And we're not doing that, you know, like, so gave them the big lecture and then <laughs> we got in and within one second, I was like, why are you touching me? Get off of me. Let's turn our flashlights off. You um, liked it. I loved it. And I feel so safe. Weirdly enough, I feel so safe and so comfortable underwater. <laughs> and in fact, I have a weird, I'm terrified of snakes. 
And yet I have touched the most venomous snake in the whole world on purpose because I was underwater. And I guess I think that I'm invincible underwater. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I just feel so comfortable. That's amazing. Yeah. (laughs) That's, that's so cool. So where was the poisonous snake? That was in the Philippines. I should not have done that. That was not, (laughs) not a good decision to make, but now I have a really fun story and I use that a lot in pragmatic therapy. I give them that lead. Oh, I I bet you they love that. Yeah. Yeah. They love it. They think it's, they think I'm crazy and I'm like, yep. (laughs) (laughs) That's so cool. So let's end with one piece of advice you would tell your younger self. Yeah. Um, I would, this has nothing to do. Well, not really anything to do with speech, but I would just say to be yourself. Um, you know, when I started my blog, I was afraid that people wouldn't like me. Um, but I find that the more and more that I'm just myself and I just say what I think that people actually, that makes them like me more, you know? Um, so I wish I would have had that, that comfort and being myself, that confidence in being myself. Um, when I was younger. That's such a great piece of advice. I remember you posted something. I think you did like an intro post recently and you were saying that one of your biggest fears is like to say the wrong thing. And I have that fear as well, but you're right. Like I feel like I'm most connected with the people that, you know, are my audience when I am like putting myself out there versus like when I'm like kind of afraid and, you know, holding back. So I I agree with you. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and it's scary. And it's and like, if I post anything controversial, I might like check it a million times right away to Uh see if anybody says anything. And, and sometimes they do. And, but really for the most part, people are like, Oh, okay. I understand why you're saying that, you know, even if they disagree, um, I've really had a really, I feel like I've had good luck with how most people will support me, even if they disagree. Um, They're kind, even when they disagree. And I think that was probably my biggest fear starting everything was that people might be mean to me or, you know, like people hide behind computers and say mean things sometimes, but I have just had the total opposite experience. Well, I'm glad. And thank you so much for everything that you do. I know people are so appreciative. And if someone is not following along already, where can they find and connect with you? Definitely. I am on Facebook. And so um, that's probably where my book, definitely that is where my biggest following is. Um, But I am also on Instagram. And I feel like Instagram actually has better ways for me to communicate with people just through stories and um, be able to save things and story highlights. So I would recommend that if you, um, if that, if you are on Instagram. Great. And it's Miss Speechy P, right? No dot after the S. Right. No dots, just M-R-S-S-P-E-E-C-H-I-E-P. Perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Andy. And I'm looking forward to following along on your journey. Yeah. Thank you. I'm excited to follow you too. (laughs) All right. Until next time. Before we go, I wanted to see if you like listening to these episodes every week. Do you want to keep hearing from these awesome guests? And do you love that you can learn the helpful resources and tips for free? My editor, aka my sister, and I spend a lot of time every week putting these episodes together so that they can be ready for you on Wednesday mornings. We would love it so much if you would take a screenshot of this episode and share it on social media or leave a positive review. And guess what? Every month, I will choose one reviewer to win a little thank you gift. You can choose from a product in my TPT store, an AAC coaching call, or gift card. 
It's the least I can do to show how much I appreciate your support. It's because of you that this podcast keeps going.